0: This episode is sponsored by Arc it and you'll find out more about them later on in the episode. Hi there. I'm Evan Troxell. Welcome to my podcast about how technology is changing the architectural profession. Welcome to the Troxell podcast. My name is Evan Troxell. In this episode, I welcome Timon Hazel, who is a Senior Structural Technical Designer at Walter P. Moore in Washington, D.C. Timon is a passionate, industry-wide digital evangelist with an engineering background, a desire for workflow optimization, and enthusiasm for education. He has carved a niche helping people computationally solve their AEC problems, He's also the ringleader of Your Desk University, along with a few other talented individuals, including Jared Friedman, Bo Lowe, John Shippers, and Lisa Marie Mueller. Your Desk University is a place for the AEC tech community to connect and share knowledge remotely. And so far, they've hosted 32 live streams by my count. I could be wrong there, but it's close. And they've kicked off what looks like is going to be an amazing 2021 spring lineup over on YouTube. I've got links to all of these things in the show notes for this episode. So if you're interested, please check those out, and you don't have to remember it. You can just tap those links. So if you've never heard Timmin speak before, if you've somehow missed one of the Your Desk University live streams or the replays, you're in for a treat, because Timon has the most positive attitude, and it was just an absolute pleasure to have this conversation with him and get into the nitty-gritty of the genesis of Your Desk, talked about those long nights and weekends that make passion projects a reality, and so much more. So without further ado, I bring to you my conversation with Tim and Hazel.
1: Tim and welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. Thanks, Evan. It's really an honor for you to invite me to be on this show. and I'm looking forward to our chat.
0: Yeah. So we've... Well, I've been a huge fan of the work that you've been doing since, I guess it's last April is when Your Desk University officially kicked off. Does that sound right?
1: Yeah, I guess it did. Because we, I mean, we started our timing kind of coincided with when COVID hit Uh and we were, we, I used to run the dynamo or I still run, but it's Your Desk is kind of the primary thing, but I used to run the Dynamo DC user group along with John Skippers, who's one of our co-organizers. And we, you know, we'd been talking about trying to do something bigger, trying to do a hackathon, what would it be like to do a bigger project? And that had been like on our minds for a year. And there were a couple of other things that kind of aligned around that same time. Um, My wife and I had been married for 18 months. And I know that seems like a personal thing, but for me at that time, it was like, well, we figured out what it means to be married and like looking for, okay, so how do we like love our neighbors around us? Like, what does it mean to care about our neighbors, our community? Yeah. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and the best way to love your neighbors was to stay home and not (laughs) engage with them. And it was confusing. So that hit. And then at work, um, we were looking at ways of connecting with clients and talking to people. And so had all these different conversations that were happening. And so, yeah, I definitely, it's easy to remember when Your Desk University started because we went remote March 8th and around that same time, I was thinking, well, all these conferences are canceled. I'm supposed to be speaking at them. And I know some other speakers who are going to be doing that. And I just, I just asked them a lot of them through a text, through a Slack, through a Twitter, just, Hey, what are you up to? Would you be interested in doing something? And a lot of them agreed without even knowing what we were really doing. Yeah. Um, It was just, we knew we wanted something community focused and also just give back to the community because open source, I've learned so much from open source, but I haven't, quite tailored my development skills to the point to where I feel like I, you know, I'm a pro developer <laughs> that I can like do all these open source initiatives. And so when this opportunity became kind of like apparent and people were helping me kind of launch it, it just seemed like a like a great way to start. So
0: yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean that what, what a what an incredible catalyst to make something like that happen. I mean, obviously there was you, you said all the conferences got canceled. I mean, it's true. All of a sudden, it went from like we had this year of scheduled things mm-hmm. going now into two years of scheduled things that just either well, for the most part, they just they got completely blown off the calendar, and then they kept getting. Well, first they got pushed out, pushed out, pushed out. Then they got removed completely, and then some people came back with the you know the virtual events i that's probably the first time we actually met each other face to face Mm -hmm. was in the the uh the green room at the advancing computational design conference we just there was like eight people in there and it was just a great kind of breakfast conversation it was like breakfast and coffee and and that was fun because it was you know people wanted to be there they wanted to show up and it wasn't overwhelming in number of people so you could actually have a conversation
1: yeah. How you do a virtual conference has been interesting yeah. and watching how that's developed over the last year. I think that one, the advancing building, building design mm-hmm. and computation conference, that one, I really liked how they did like the open kind of what they call it like coffee hour or yeah. open mic hour or right. whatever. And um, they had a platform that allowed for that easy entry and exit for people. I really appreciated that. And I've seen that similar things at other kind of conferences. Yeah. And we're
0: seeing a, uh, bunch of new tools come out right like i've talked about it with other people on this podcast and on my other podcast Arcaspeak speak about team flow where it's just kind of open virtual space like a like a zoom call that's just but it's open and there's a spatial mm-hmm. aspect kind of applied to it so you can walk around the floor of an office and you can meet people and talk to them and if you walk away from them you don't hear them anymore but you're still in the same office together and then there's stuff like Whoa. discord where A bunch of non-gamers are now using something that started out as a a way for gamers to communicate while they're playing games. And we're seeing, like, High Park community on Discord and other communities on Discord as well. Uh, We're seeing Clubhouse now is a launched and audio-only, real-time-only kind of a you-had-to-be-there audio version and people are scheduling just open chats, and you can invite people to participate, and other people can just kind of eavesdrop into conversations. So, I mean, all that has kind of come about since you launched your desk, and you launched on YouTube so that, I'm assuming, so that you could live stream it and have that interactive chat part of it while that's going, but not have to worry too much about... Like, people aren't interrupting. It's just happening alongside the main presentation.
1: Yeah. Platform was an interesting discussion because we thought about what we wanted for platform for a while. And we knew we wanted to engage with people in person or as close as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, We wanted to give that interactive experience. And then I don't know if you were, well, I'm sure you remember, but around April, March, there was a lot of conversation around zoom bombing. Mm -hmm. And so we'd originally said, Oh, let's do it zoom because then it can be even more engaging and live and interactive. And then people can kind of engage with, with questions. And, and then we learned
0: what could possibly go wrong with that scenario. Right. <laughs>
1: and and I was like, and we were just like, you know, the beauty, we looked at Flickr, not Flickr, sorry, not Vimeo. We looked at Vimeo and just found that YouTube had it set up for us and ease of effort that once we streamed it, it was kind of hands-off. I've done a little bit of editing every now and then um, going back Uh, maybe cutting the beginning or the end or piecing Mm -hmm. things together, but mostly it's just directly what we live streamed and then it's available to people. And it's been fun to see people engage both live on there or in the Slack channel, um, which again, the whole purpose of is just to kind of create a space for people to talk. That's not specific to a specific platform or to a specific company, just kind of an open space that people can get engaged and meet with each other and, it's kind of fun seeing because obviously as the Slack, as the Slack organizer, I get a little bit of statistics about how people use the channel. Yeah. And most of them are one on one conversations. A hundred percent support, but people are, you know, they're connecting with each other right. um, in there. So isn't that interesting how
0: nowadays you don't even need kind of an ID for somebody to connect with them? You don't need to know their email address. You don't need to know their <laughs> phone number. All you need to do is see their name click on it and send them a message in a slack channel or on a yeah this it's amazing yeah it's it's funny because i I go through like this this sheet i have in notion about all the guests that i want to have on the show the guests that i have on the show and there's data in there that i'm trying to get into it like i want their email address Mm -hmm. i want their and it's funny because it's like yeah what is that i don't even know i interact with them on twitter what's their twitter handle i guess i'll put that in there instead right and it's like I'm just DMing people, and and or on Instagram, or there's so many kind of places that that could happen now. Yeah,
1: I mean, you, I mean, we we look for speakers kind of the same way, starting with our own connections, and then secondhand, thirdhand connections, and some we just see some really good presentations, and we just you know re- reach out to them on LinkedIn, on Twitter, um, as long as you can can find them. Um, it's pretty pretty easy these days to try to connect with people. And I've had people ask me about like, how do you, how do you connect with these? And, and I'm, I'm super grateful to the speakers who've been on there because they are the ones who make the show. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I, I create the platform. You facilitate. Yeah. I facilitate it. I personally want to learn and I do coach quite a bit and really try to focus because we have, your desk has the special aspect that we're a very niche community as far as like what I would call our, I don't know. Our target audience. I mm-hmm. that's the term I've been using the most. And as long as we stay with the people who have found that to be really helpful, I think that the topics can vary. And, and even it's even better if they're like go into broad areas. We get someone from software development in or someone kind of out of AEC who can speak to our innovation kind of directed folks um, who may or may not be software developers. I found that as long as we, we, we kind of provide something to a group that is defined, then, then it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's been really fun. I've, I've, enjoyed learning more than almost more than, well, I've enjoyed hosting a lot, but
0: yeah, that's cool. So I don't think we've actually talked about what that target audience is or what your desk university is. So why don't you just give us a, a the elevator pitch on, on the purpose it is serving.
1: Sure, let me see if I, can, if I can summarize it in a few things. So Your Desk University was launched as the idea of being a training place, a place for people to upskill themselves, but focusing on AEC and technology. I oftentimes think of it as we're there to help people who are on a spectrum of software development, but we also realize that a lot of people who are in the space of innovation aren't necessarily software developers. Mm-hmm. But that spectrum goes from maybe learn some computational design, maybe some visual programming, maybe Dynamo or Grasshopper. Again, potentially not. It could be a person who manages those people as well. Mm -hmm. But then there's really not a lot in the industry that serves the people who are kind of get to that intermediate, medium level computational designer and then want something more. They aren't looking for the fluff. They're not looking for someone to give them their sales pitch on how awesome they did X, Y, and Z. Um, They either want things that are culture focused and how they help transform the culture, or they want um, almost like a tutorial into some type of topic, but not a one on one dynamo, you know, one on one awesome email tips kind of thing. Um, These people are looking for kind of the next level. And, um, I, I found myself in that space, um, I guess over the last seven years. And I've just found there's little, like you mentioned, advancing, um, ABCD, ACBD conference, Mm -hmm. um, which is a great one. It's very niche. It's, it's for that target group. Um, I've learned a lot at AU previously at built, but really wanted something for this group. And when we started, um, like I mentioned, that was around COVID, a lot of user groups weren't meeting. So there's Dynamo DC, right. there's Dynamo user groups, there's quite a few of them. And so a lot of the user group leaders kind of helped bring together our first round and unite that. So we just see ourselves as an AC tech community, um, equipping people, training people, and try to keep our sessions really streamlined. Um, I, I'd say that because it's, it's YouTube, people want to learn from a fire hose. Mm -hmm. You can always go back and replay it, right? but there's no reason for fluff just to fill an hour if that's what someone thinks they need.
0: Well, I love how quickly you guys pulled this off because this was one of those things where it was like, hey, all these conferences are canceled. The conference organizers can't figure this out because they're so used to operating a particular way. They're so used to operating in the real world environment. They're so used to all the logistics associated with that and setting up the technology to for those labs the sessions that happen and for all the classrooms and all the AV and all and all the food and and all of a sudden like this is kind of like handcuffs to them right holy crap it's 100% different and you guys just stepped right up and out of nowhere said we're going to do this and the participation and the viewership has been really really good and like you said it's now now it's just sitting there like you can go back and look at it whenever you want there's no gatekeeper to this data, this information. And so I I think that, you know, that kudos to you guys for just being able to get onto that so quickly. It seems like you must've had not only support from the community, but also just professionally and and where, where you're
1: working, there had to be a lot of support. Yeah. I mean, there was so much support. I actually, you were, as you were talking about that, it reminded me that I think three weeks after we, or two weeks, I don't even remember, I'd have to go back. There was an architect magazine article about it, which I was shocked that they were interested in hearing about this. But apparently we got listed as one of the ways you could volunteer during COVID, um, which, is, which is awesome. Um, but it really came to passion. There were a lot of people who were passionate about this. It came with interest. It came with people like, obviously, as, as this idea kind of started formulating, Jared and Lebo just said, hey, we can make the website work. Jared helped bring some speakers in. I said, okay. But again, we were basically asking speakers. I was sending people after the first initial thing, a screenshot of a Trello board that we'd come up with, with like, here's kind of what we're generally thinking. And then it, it you know, it changed 10 times, but people were willing and interested and passionate about kind of engaging in this way. And I'm I'm really grateful, you know, as you mentioned professionally, some of the speakers I've reached out to and talked to their companies aren't as supportive in them participating in these kinds of I don't know, extracurricular activities that are that are really community focused. And I'm really grateful that Walter P. Moore all along the way has been incredibly encouraging of my participation in something like this. I, yeah. I mean, uh, there's been lots of long nights and weekends to to make this happen, but they've also been you know very supportive of other times when I might be working on it during the day. That's really
0: cool to hear. I, I was astonished. I think you've mentioned it before that you there was you were hearing of pushback from people just attending, like taking the time out of the day to be able to watch this, that could take their career somewhere else, you know, uh, or build upon their, their career or make the company that they work at better for it. I, I, mm-hmm. I am astonished by that. That's that's crazy.
1: And I think with that kind of support that we've gotten from like Walter P. Moore as an example, along with other companies like Dalin and um, Adaptive Studio and all the organizers, you know, AEC Labs, which I think just rebranded as Vianci. But all these, these are the organizers, but, you know, our companies get to be seen right. among other companies that are doing really innovative things. Yeah, it's an attractor, for sure. It's 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 incredibly it's 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 just really powerful for, and this is kind of my call to company leaders to encourage um, your people to be involved in this this kind of way because it's not only great like obviously there's business development marketing involved in in that kind of presence but also learning. I mean, right now we have a Python workshop series that's going on, and Asan, who's the father of PyRevit, who's you know, in the industry scene as one of the top Python developers. That's AEC kind of rivet focused. Mm-hmm. Um, he's teaching Python and he's doing four sessions. And this is for your desk university. And I put my second hat on and I reached out to people at Walter P more. And I said, Hey, right. <laughs> there's this thing going on. What can we do inside Walter P more? And so we're doing like coaching sessions that pair alongside that. But there's, I think, 300 people across the world mm-hmm. signed up to this workshop yeah. and maybe 15 or so from Walter P. Moore. And so it's it's like we get that benefit, but so do others. Right. And they could be doing something kind of the same way, right. um, kind of coaching their people alongside the same time.
0: So how did this idea for a course come along? Because previous to this, you guys have done, it looks like about 30 or so live streams, and now you're transitioning to a course which people enroll to be a part of. And that's not to say it won't be available later, but y- you guys want kind of consistent participation, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, I'll say it's a one-time trial. I I'm not yeah. gonna say it's the direction we're going yet, because we don't really know. But the Python series has been different. Everything else has always been a one-time sign up 45 minutes on a Wednesday at four PM Eastern, one PM, you know, Pacific. You're there um, or watch it afterwards, which a lot of people do. Thank you to all my Australian and Asian people who watch it um, in the middle of the night. I cannot believe your dedication to that (laughs) when they show Um, up. Yeah, but the uh, the the workshop series is different. And it actually it came to us. So Asan and Dana, who are doing that. Along with me, they came to me and said, Hey, we have this idea. And Asana and I have been talking about doing something like this for PyRevit, this idea of what if we took a student and a teacher and had them both be recorded. So you, you then end up pacing the workshop at the pace of a student. Obviously, it's not every student, right? But it helps to pace education a little bit. So they came to me, proposed the idea. It seemed to align with, you know, our fundamental ideas of doing things that people don't have to purchase a significant amount of stuff in order to replicate. Um, It's innovative. It's learning. It's all free and open source, everything they're doing. And so it seemed to align with, you know, our, our vision. And so we said, look, let's give it a shot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we're really well-received. I mean, (laughs) in some ways I think like how could it not be well-received when you provide this free Python workshop? That's AEC focused.
0: Yeah. So you've had, several other live streams what has the feedback been on the live streams and then now that with with your initial python workshop courses
1: i mean i'm just yeah i'm i'm really grateful that the industry as a whole has really loved um what your desk university has been doing what we've been giving to people we don't have intentions of monetizing this um, this is really intended to be something that can kind of give back to the community as a whole and highlight people who are doing really cool things. Mm-hmm. So I think that overall the live streams have all been really well received. Some I, it's, it's almost interesting. The shorter, more concise ones are the ones that end up kind of blowing up because mm-hmm. people are like, Oh my goodness. In these 20 minutes, I learned everything I need to know about data trees. Yeah. It was also Andrew human giving the class. So, yeah. and then for the Python series, it's been interesting because it's very different. Um, it's been a little bit less fire hose, a little bit more let's go at the pace of 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 a student and you know there's it's been well received and at the same time there's there's always going to be a little bit of like oh they didn't cover it the way i wanted it to or like any course um,
0: yeah
1: huh (laughs) like any course just like any course yeah (laughs) um but from the people i've i've talked to they've loved the ability to kind of grow and learn at a pace that they can handle
0: Mm -hmm. they like that consistency
1: and that consistency. So yeah. we'll see. I, I don't know. I've thought about a couple other kind of courses that I think would, would be really helpful. Um, so we'll see if we do, if we do something like this again, but again, it's, you know, it's, I, I have to give the people who are leading us, especially Asan, just a lot of credit because mm-hmm. he's just giving so generously to the industry as a whole with PyRevit, And then to the people who are in this workshop um, I mean, <laughs> it's eight hours of his time yeah. that he's training these, you know, people is it and he's like, Oh yeah, maybe we'll do round two. You Incredible. Co-man. That's awesome. So I think we have a lot to learn from that. Yeah. So maybe
0: dumb question should have started here. Where did the name come from? It seems obvious, but maybe there's more to it. I don't know.
1: Yeah. There was a couple other works, other ideas we were coming up with spring training. Do we add COVID in the name? No, we want it to be something a little bit more universal. Um, I'm also going to say like, I don't know if this is going to remain. Like I right. don't know the future. Um, no promises. Um, I make, yeah, I make no promises <laughs> except, except for when we announce a semester, everything in that semester, um, will, will, will happen. Um, but yeah, there were a couple of other names that we came up with and actually Jared came up with the idea of your desk university, um, which just seemed so perfect with everyone yeah. literally sitting at their at desk, their desk yeah. while learning it.
0: And, and to give it a name like university, I, I know like this is a, a thing that we tackled inside the firm here was was creating a place that the firm could invest in people so by giving it that name it does really seem like it kind of raises the level of expectation around the type of information you're trying to deliver right it's it it, it actually is useful kind of career building block type stuff especially for the audience that you're targeting right so did you guys think about that or, or was it just have that special ring to, to it or, or where that come from?
1: Yeah, I do think that trying to highlight the caliber and the quality of education, mm-hmm. if I call it education, mm-hmm. that we were trying to provide, but also in some ways, speaking to our speakers about what we really expect. And I remember one. One of our speakers said something, you know, this was at the very beginning saying, you know, I have friends who are losing jobs right now. I would love to do a course and help upskill somebody Mm -hmm. so that, you know, they can take their career to the next level. Mm -hmm. And I, I really think that that is an area where we really want to help people because, you know, it's not just fun and games, you know, we're sitting on on a camera or something. It really is like, if you watch through these, if you go through the courses you will have learned a skill, whether it's a soft or hard skill, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. And even looking, I'm kind of looking right now at our at our lineup coming up. It's just fun to be able to highlight some people who are well known in the industry um, and have them be interested in presenting, you know, people like Brian Ringley or Havard Vas Haug, um, Wasim Javi who's doing topologic. Like, wow. I'm I'm just like humbled to be able to kind of have people like that, um, participate in this, but also they're, they're coming in with a specific idea of this is kind of what I want people to be learning and knowing when they're done with this. Yeah. That's great. I think with the name, it would be fun and I haven't gone here, but maybe a little bit with the workshop series, but thinking about like, what would, what would a, you know, 102 series again, we're trying not to do one hundred one. So what is a 201? What is a three-oh-one? What is a 400 level your desk university series look like? Yeah.
0: Pretty soon you're going to be having prerequisites and after course evaluations. Well, and-
1: okay. So that's funny. Um, we actually originally were saying we, we so we want to stay away from one-on-one so much that every course should have a list of prerequisites for requ- not required, but recommended. Yeah. Like if you want to be taking this and you're not quite to that level in grasshopper or dynamo or right. C sharp or haven't used speckle at all or whatever, then here's a place you can go to. So I think, um, as time goes on, we might make a resource list. There's also some like that, and we didn't really want to duplicate mm. things that have been done. Um, but yeah, that was actually one of the ideas we had at the beginning. We we that one that one died. That's a lot <laughs> of work. <laughs> it also takes time to do all this.
0: <laughs> Let's take a break from this conversation and welcome back the sponsor for this episode, ArcIT. I'm going to stick a review in this time. So here's a review from an actual customer of ArcIT. The team at ArcIT has been fantastic. After years of struggling with unsatisfactory workarounds, security breaches, slowdowns, and poor IT assistance, they're extremely pleased with ArcIT. The architecture firm of 40 employees with two offices is in great hands. And that was Zachary Goodman, who is a principal architect at CSDA Design Group. So as business owners and architects, how often do we think about our IT provider? Typically, only when things go wrong, and for many of us, unfortunately, this happens too often, especially with the latest emphasis on remote work. I know that I've had to deal with my fair share of IT fire drills. Not pleasant. ArcIT, however, is a very different kind of company. They specialize in serving architecture, design, and engineering firms, and their goal is to help you use technology as a competitive advantage. This means that they understand your technology stack, and they won't waste your time and money learning how your tools work within your process. Combine that with industry-leading response times, proactive remote hardware management, and solid disaster recovery and backup solutions. That's something that everybody should be thinking of, honestly. And enterprise-grade security management. And yet, above all, these are just table stakes for a solid IT company. ArcIT goes a step further. They become your strategic partner when it comes to planning, budgeting, and integrating new technology into your business processes. So all of this sounds expensive, right? Nope. Because ArcIT is highly specialized for our industry, their pricing is on par or in some cases even lower than other IT providers. ArcIT is transparent and even publishes the pricing right on their website. Uh, speaking of their website, there's also something else you should check out when you're there, and that is their Design Under Influence blog and video series. Again, adding value to IT type solutions across industry, all good stuff. So your business deserves a competent, responsive, and proactive IT partner. Reach out to my friends at ArcIT for a free consultation. So go to getarkit, that's G-E-T-A-R-C-H-I-T dot like architecture in the middle, and click work with us. So thanks very much to ArcIT for sponsoring this episode of the Troxel podcast. And now let's get back to our conversation. That was where I wanted to go next because you said, you know, you spent a lot of long nights and weekends on this. So obviously this is in addition to the daily duties you have as a structural engineer, right? So talk about that. Like, what did you think it was going to be like versus what it's actually like?
1: Um, Well, I guess the first thing I'll say is my wife loves when I do series. Um, She says, I love starting them and I love ending them. It's great having kind of the ebb and flow of a series I think one of the things I've loved is engaging and connecting with speakers, either friends that I've just had another excuse to connect with yeah. or people who I've wanted to grow deeper with and I haven't had an opportunity before. And this is a good excuse. So I'm, I'm, I am I'm, may be an engineer by training, but as you might be able to tell, I'm pretty extroverted. And yeah. I love the connection side of, of that. Um, it's also a lot of work making the post, connecting, Um, getting the details from speakers, finding all the pieces, um, posting about them. I think probably one of the hardest things is keeping things tight Mm -hmm. with regards to, again, our target audience, the innovation software developer, kind of AEC person, and not allowing things to get out of that. And as long as we stay. So that's, I think, where most of my conversations with speakers, with everything kind of stays in. But it's been a blast. And I do have to say a big part of that has been the other people who participate. Mm-hmm. So people see me on screen, but every time we're live, John Skippers is in the background in my ear saying, yep, sounds good. Yep, still sounds good. Um, or you know, halting the stream and helping us figure out the audio. Mm-hmm. And then Lisa Marie came on um, the second year and she helps to put t- together some like video clips and things like that and i think that alleviated some of the pressure of oh my goodness this is so far beyond me and i think like a lot of people who are probably listening to your show to this show to people who watch your desk i'm also like a tinker and an innovator yeah so i could figure out how to do the website or i could figure out how to do this but it's just like a huge like relief to say you know what i'm not a website pro right and jared be like oh great i have a friend who can bring this in and together he he and lebo like kind of own that and we talk about like goals and stuff but in the end i've done no website development and i think also with regards to how this whole thing is framed it was really helpful to have their minds think about the website because they brought airtable into the picture and so our entire back end is just an airtable spreadsheet yeah and so really any moment we update the spreadsheet and the whole website changes nice it's really nice which i don't know that i would have thought of if i was if i was doing that from the get-go yeah seriously even if i'm data-centric sometimes i'm like oh this is just like a word document it's just online (laughs) but it's not it's so much more
0: (laughs) well i mean what what i love about that story that you just told was that it's like a example of leadership right it's like yeah you totally can do it all and you probably shouldn't but to have the self awareness to be the one who says and i probably shouldn't is where the leadership comes in and you are creating ownership and people who are a part of this want to talk about being a part of it so you're giving them something mm-hmm. to own and that's that's what needs to happen way more often and i think that's that's just kind of embedded in this community uh, as far as a way of thinking i don't i don't know if there's too many people here in in this community who are the ones who feel like they have to do it all but i i kind of think that's an architect thing for sure (laughs) a lot of architects like reinventing the wheel uh every single time and and doing all the things and being the ones with all the answers and i think uh the ability to kind of step back and say you know i'm i'm gonna relinquish all of this responsibility to people who are passionate about it and who can make a good idea into a great idea it does take a lot of effort to run a thing like this, like the, that you're talking about, like your desk. There is a lot of moving parts there. So there's,
1: there's a lot of back end and kind of going back to your previous question, you know, about like time and stuff. Our first series that we did, we wanted to come in with a punch. Mm-hmm. We were like, okay, we definitely want to have some top speakers. Who can we talk to? And, um, you know, I, I'm not going to name names, but you guys know who you are. Thank you so much for being a part of that first round. And I, I think that we did, we did two a week. We did it every Tuesday night and every Thursday night for 10 weeks, it was 20 sessions. And I think, I mean, like I said, you'll have to go back to the article to figure out, remember, but I, I would have to, but I think it was like two weeks from when we said, one week. 3 weeks I think from when we had the idea to when we did our first session. Yeah. And by then we had 17 lined up or something or 15 lined up and we were still filling a few. But that was that was just a massive inflow. Now, uh, you know, I didn't know what it meant to work with during COVID at the time and so, you know, in evenings I I'm a social guy, so all of that was gone. So I had there was so much free time. But then after doing 20 in a row, it was just like, okay, once once a week is a little is burnt out there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of horsepower. So uh, again, like it's a it's a major feat to get to the point where you guys have. So I mean, you're running this Python course now. What's what's going to happen next with your desk?
1: Yeah, so we just announced our first 2021 semester, and looking at the lineup here, which you can see at yourdeskuniversity.com, you'll see Havard's talking about culture. We've got Oliver Green talking a little about machine learning and things he's doing. Um, We have a really special show I'm excited about on March 10th. Um, So I grew up in Russia and Women's Day, March 8th is a big thing internationally. In America, we don't quite celebrate it as much. And we wanted to highlight women who are doing innovative things. I'm not specifically what it means to be a woman in design, but just what are impressive things that these women are doing. Mm -hmm. And so we have four people who are going to be presenting on that, which is really cool a robotics workshop. Um, I think a couple more on machine learning and yeah, a variety of other, other ones still coming and in the works hasn't been announced yet. Um, but kind of a mini sustainability series, just focusing on three different aspects of sustainability. Um, it's a huge topic. I think uh, as much as possible, we'll try to bring it into our, our series as a whole, but we thought if we could at least kind of focus a few sessions on that topic. Um, so I think Ladybug is going to speak it to that. Um, my coworker Jared um, is going to put something together or has put something together to talk about accessing um, all the databases that have carbon information mm-hmm. in them about different materials and um, construction. So awesome. And then um, Leland from Smith Group is going to be speaking as well to that one. So that's that's really exciting. And that's that's gonna be our March, March, April, May series. Then we'll take a break for summer. And then um I expect probably an August September um semester that we're starting to fill now. Nice. Um, which I'm hoping we might see you at. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give me plenty of notice. It'd be good. Well,
0: you, you mentioned Airtable, and I'm I haven't done this in a while, but I'm wondering if you there's other stuff that you personally do. Like that was new to you for this process and and that sounds like it's working fantastically. And like you said, it wasn't something that you would probably have thought of on your own. What are something that you could share with the audience here that you use to help yourself perform better? It doesn't have to be digital. It could be analog. It could be physical, um, whatever that is, to uh spread some maybe new information or something that somebody out there is not thinking about.
1: Yeah. So a couple of things. First, I this is this is my most extreme one, but two years ago. I decided to go a month without my smartphone Mm. and I went with a flip phone. You can get them at Walmart or target or whatever for 30 days. And then it actually kept going. I did it for a whole year. Wow. Um, It was one of the most powerful things as a tech enthusiast and innovator. People would, you know, find it hilarious. I'm at, you know, at a conference with a flip phone, but what I found is it allowed me to just set things down. And I think if there's one thing that it's really helpful. It's being able to just shut off the way technology impacts us. And I think that's super important. So that would be one thing. I know that's super extreme. um, But that sounds liberating,
0: man. Like, oh my goodness, because there's this there's I'm sure tons of people who are listening have toyed with that thought, but to actually do it and for you to talk about kind of the benefits that you saw of it, that that to me is where it, it actually, you know, the rubber met the road. And, and you made this thing happen and what, how did it go from a month to a year?
1: I just kind of like kept seeing like, Oh, well, let's see how long I can do this. (laughs) And it ended up becoming a year. You know, I still, I have a smartphone again and I love it. And it has so many things, but the thing I found relief from is when it was in my pocket, it didn't, I'm using quotes here, but it didn't call to me. It it just, it was, it was gone when it was closed and it wasn't ringing. Um, it wasn't there. So interesting. That's a weird one. So I'll just throw that one out there because it was it was it was incredible. No,
0: wait, um, before you move on to to whatever. <laughs> next, <laughs> oh, I, no. I'm so interested in this because, uh, like my wife and I are on opposite ends of the spectrum here. she would yeah. she would throw this thing in a river in a second if you mm-hmm. know, and I'm on mine all the time. and and but i've I've obviously wanted i've I've thought the same mm-hmm. thought, but I've never gone through with it. What was it like when you went back to the smartphone? what What happened so, there?
1: So the thing I missed was group texts. Mm-hmm. Which I think if the flip phone had group texts, I may have actually stayed there. But everything came back really fast. It was like as soon as I went back, it was like, oh yeah, I'm checking my bank account all the time. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm flipping through all the things all the time. Everything's always like,
0: yeah. Was it like a super dopamine hit kind of a thing? And and you felt like satisfied? Like where have you been all my life? Or was it more? Was it, uh, it felt no, more normalized? normalized? It
1: like- was. It was. It was very. It was very normal and a little like, hmm, it's nice to have you know these three features that yeah. I've been missing, yeah, but it was it was really nice to not have the rest of the features, mm-hmm. and I guess I don't have the self control to keep the rest of them off my smartphone
0: right. That's the funny thing, right is that, that there is this psych like, sensibility of it's your choice to install yeah. these apps, it's your choice to create these accounts, it's your choice to log in and see them, and on on many other levels, people are just completely helpless to these things, so they just yeah. can't not do them.
1: I think that'd be one. Um, second, very much related, but I keep a hand list of things that need to be, need to, need to get done. Mm-hmm. And I may not get to everything, but having a kind of handwritten, I'm still a very tactile. I may be a high tech person. Yeah. I used to joke when I had the smart, didn't have the smartphone. I used to joke, be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm a low tech kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> and people would be like, yeah, Tim and right. But uh, but yeah, keeping a hand list. Um, I'm very tactile, and I think the next one is I have a writing pad, uh-huh. so I can share the link with you. But it's a Huiyan kind of sketching pad, and it plugs right into my computer. But it gives me the ability to communicate remotely right now while sketching. Yeah, and that has made remote work incredibly more personal. Mm. All of a sudden, I can you know sketch a detail out with somebody. I can talk about, you know, framing layouts just by sketching it instead of trying to do it in Bluebeam or trying to do it just in words and it that has that has been huge. I'm um, a couple of my coworkers have picked them up as well, um just for the benefit there.
0: So that tablet, are you guys just sharing like a virtual whiteboard when you're using that?
1: Um so I just I actually don't use any special um software or anything with it. Okay. So it's just a Teams call mm-hmm. and then I'll just share my screen and it acts like another screen so I'll just share it as a screen and then sketch on it gotcha and Windows has like the ink um, overlay or whatever. software that can handle that just like you would with a with a surface Pro or something gotcha. like that just makes any laptop into that or desktop nice I think those are probably um as far as the ones that are pretty universal I mean we've talked about it already a little bit but I was totally taken back by value of PyRevit revit for those people who are in revit mm. and for self-development i mean one of the reasons i encourage this workshop series is it has it's transformed my career um, completely and i know asan he became a really good friend through asking him questions um, and connecting in slack channels and things like that and just just asking him questions and talking about things and he's always just been super giving and generous and so you know I make no money off of it. Definitely something I I've found huge value in. Mm -hmm. And then I think for people who are kind of more on the soft skill side of things, understanding um, the value you bring and being able to communicate that to others, I think is really important, but doing it in such a way that it's not arrogant is hard. So being able to communicate, this is what I've been working on recently. Here's how I see it impacting our company and being able to talk to people directly to whoever your leader is. I've always been someone, I don't know, like, I'm just thankful. Like, I guess God made me this way, but you know, I've, I've been willing to go to our, you know, leaders and say, Hey, here's a problem I see, or here's, you know, talking about this topic, like, here's a value, here's something that I really see could impact and make a difference. And being able to talk to the people who can impact change and show them it in some visual way. So I'm thinking of like Power BI right now in my head Mm -hmm. um, of like, here's how this impact can be. Here's here's how much people are using this thing. Here's a potential idea of how much it could be saving us. It also cost us this much to do. Like, do you really want me to be spending 300 hours working on this when I think this is the benefit? Mm -hmm. And then getting the support, I think takes away some of that fear and anxiety that exists for people inside of companies. Um, last time I said this, though, I got called out um, by someone who said, well, you've never worked for a company where your leadership didn't love innovation and forward-focused thinking, did you? And I'm like, well, no, not really. That's a choice to where you work as well. <laughs> and So um, I don't know what to say there, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have compassion for people who are in those situations.
0: How did you develop that skill? Was that natural or did that, was that something that you developed through doing over time?
1: Well, so to get a little personal, um, there's a book called boundaries. It totally changed my ability to do this kind of thing. Um, so kind of a funny story, I think it was six or seven years ago. Most of my team was taking off, um, the week before Thanksgiving for a conference and I wanted to fly out for a vacation on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I was so scared to go ask my boss, hey, can I leave on Friday when I knew most of my department was going to be gone all week? Everyone above me was going to be gone. And I just, and th- that book encourages idea of like saying yes and saying no and when it's important. And but by saying, I was always, I'm always a yes guy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes allow other people to say no instead of saying no, yourself. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying no to like, Oh no, I can't ask about going on this vacation on Friday one day. Right. It felt like such a big ask. And I remember the moment when I saw my supervisor walk over to the person who approved vacations. And I was like, Oh no, he's talking about this. This is, this is never going to go through. What does it happen? And then he called me over and he said, you know, your entire department is going to be out that week. Right. And I was like, yes. And you're asking to be out on Friday. Is that right? I said, yes. He goes, do you think we can cover the work that needs to happen? I said yes. He goes, "Sounds good to me." And it was like shocking. It all came about through this idea of it's important to know your boundaries and your limits and that you set and you define them. Right. And then allow other people to work and flow in them. But if you don't define them, other people don't know how to work with you. So yeah. if you, I don't yeah. set a boundary of, "Hey, working, you know, so many hours" doesn't work for me anymore, then other people can't like figure out, Oh, well, that means we have to figure out how to deal with this deadline differently. And it just becomes, especially I think younger people feel this pressure that I have to kind of do everything and always say yes. And that book really changed it for me. So that's probably one of the places that skill got developed.
0: I've seen that happen in meetings where, where a senior person will say, oh, I know the client, they'll never go for that. So they'll Mm -hmm. compromise before giving the client the option to decide. And we do that to ourselves all the time, Mm -hmm. right? It's exactly what you're telling me right now is I had already decided what their answer was gonna be for Mm -hmm. me without ever approaching them. And I think that that is, I mean, that had to be so liberating for you to kind of go through that process and and reading that book together, kind of solidified that that does work. If you don't ask, you'll never know one way or the other. (laughs) But if you make the decision first and never ask, then, then that's what it's going to be. And, and one thing that we talk about on this show and on, on the other podcast, too, is, is about designing your own life and not waiting around for somebody else to do that for you, or designing your career and not waiting around for somebody else to do that for you. You have to put it out there. You have to put out there what is going to work for you and where you want to go and what you define what your trajectory is. Because if you don't, somebody else actually will and mm-hmm. that you might not like it.
1: Yeah, and you'll just have to kind of go along with whatever they think your boundaries might be, which if you're not stating them, then it's none.
0: And it's probably going to be close to what they went through, right? Because I think a lot of people just want, they want other people to be like them, <laughs> right? So yeah. I see that quite often too. Well, that, that was great. I, one of my questions was like, wh- wh- who are you listening to or reading right now? So you gave a, an example of a book you read a while back. Is there anything currently that, That is really inspiring you
1: this year. I've been learning a lot about lean principles, Mm -hmm. lean, um, the lean kind of the lean conference, um, is one of the places that talks about that, but there's, there's a variety of different books and scrum methodology, which is kind of interesting to think about, um, how scrum can be implemented either on innovation style projects. Like a lot of what I do, um, I do like most of my work is project oriented and on projects, But I I do a lot of kind of software development for those projects. Um, So it has an easier connection, but it's interesting. And for people who may not work a hundred percent on a project, so they might be like 20% on this or 80% Mm -hmm. on this, then it's a little bit harder to do the the sprints like scrum Mm -hmm. recommends. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I don't, I know about it in concept, but I haven't read about Kanban, but this idea of like, Hey, here's what's next to be done. Here's what we're doing. Here's what's done. Um, those are some some interesting ones. Um, you know, Steve Covey's one of my favorite authors. As far as uh, I now, I can't even remember if it's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People oh, yeah. or Six. <laughs> but I know it's, <laughs> it starts with the letter <laughs> <I know>. S. <laughs> um, and then right now, I'm reading a book that my digital um, design director recommended, which is called Turn This Ship Around. Mm. And Turn the Ship Around is all about the idea of not having a culture of leader-follower, but of having a culture of leader-leader. So raising people who are kind of hierarchically under you to be leaders of the things that they own mm. to such a degree that on this, in the story, it's, it's about a submarine where historically, it's always been the top person that makes all the decisions and everything's made through that one person but he changes it around and said and kind of trains his people to come to him with, Hey, here's what was thought through, you know, here's the problems we foresee with this issue. Here's how we see it kind of going well in such a way that he could really just say, yeah, you as the follower made the process, you thought through it, you know it so much more intimately than oftentimes the leader will. Mm -hmm. And um, I highly recommend that book. It's, it's changed some of the ways I interact with the people um, I supervise and almost don't even think of it as supervising, but like, I encourage them to come to me with, okay, did you like, why don't you come to me with a hypothesis and what it's going to take to pull that off? And then let's have this conversation. Right. Um, I tend to be like, oh yeah, here's the answer. Try this.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Cause that really fits into that Kanban idea, the just in time kind of Toyota method, which mm-hmm. was like anybody could stop the line which was very antithetical to like the American car company, which was the line never stops. Nobody gets to Mm -hmm. stop the line. So nobody gets to own fixing a problem when it comes up. You just basically are perpetuating that problem because if something comes to you broken and you can't fix it, you're just adding on your stuff to that broken thing. And guess what? It's still broken at the end of the line. The whole idea behind Just In Time was that anybody could stop the line, fix the problem so that everybody has that level of agency and and ownership over what happens. And that's a fantastic leadership principle.
1: Yeah. And I think it's super relevant to technology and innovation, Mm -hmm. you know, technology and innovation. You would, you know this, but it's not a new thing. It's not like, oh, we call it technology, like computers and the the way that computers work. But I heard once that technology is everything that was developed after you were 12. So everyone who's born now, this is not technology. I don't know what's going to be technology for them. But this idea of change and learning and growing with change is something every company needs to learn how to work with. Yeah. And I think there's almost a fear in some ways in the industry that the people who have experience don't understand the technology that's doing the work. Mm-hmm. And it's a separation, I think in potentially a new way, maybe not, of kind of the, the doers and how they do it and the people who have the experience and how they did it. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe that's a technology thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, last question, and this has been absolutely fantastic is I I would love it. If you could tell everybody where they can find out more about you and your desk and what's going on with, with what's coming next with, with all of that stuff.
1: Yeah. Thanks Evan. Thank you so much for having me on here and thank you everyone for listening. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Tim and Hazel. Good luck finding that spelling, but it'll, it'll be, be in the, the show, notes. Yeah. <laughs> show notes. Yeah. Show notes. And I'm very active on Twitter. Um, and then I guess two other places, yourdeskuniversity.com is where you can find all about our upcoming episodes and series um, at the very bottom of every one of our sites. Um, you'll find a Slack channel link and we invite you to to be in there to talk to us. Um, that's a great way to connect with people in other companies. hmm Um, not just myself, but I, yeah, I look forward to, to getting to meet many of you, hopefully at conferences in person, but if not in the YouTube, um, chat during one of our live streams. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I I think one of the things that, that I see, like on that, I mentioned earlier that high discord server Mm -hmm. is there's a channel just called, what are you working on? Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage everybody who is on any one of these kind of, you know, communication platforms To share what they're working on. Because guess what? Somebody else is working on it too. And Mm -hmm. our profession, the AEC industry as a whole, will get better when people start working together who are not working at the same company and -hmm. they're not working on the same team as each other, right? Like Mm -hmm. this type of open source sharing can really help further where we're going and how fast we get there. So I would encourage everybody to kind of post about what, you know, we used to do blog posts, (laughs) right? It doesn't really happen that much anymore. We Now we make YouTube videos. Now we make podcasts. Now we, we do Twitter updates. We do Instagrams, right? But I think when it comes to code and when it comes to coming up with automations and workflows and all these things, uh, there's so many people doing the exact same thing at the same time. Um, so share what you're working on. I really encourage everyone to do that.
1: Definitely.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much for your generosity today and your time and your energy. It's been a great conversation. I really appreciate it, Timon.
1: Thanks, Evan. Have a good one.
0: Thanks for listening to the Troxel Podcast. And once again, I would like to thank ARC IT for sponsoring this episode. Visit their website at get That's G-E-T-A-R-C-H-I-T dot com. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. You can see all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. You can help support what I'm doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out and, of course, share it with your friends. I'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at trxl.co slash podcast where you can find every episode. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. Just search for E Troxel. Talk to you soon.